Welcome to Fun and Fundraising, everybody, the podcast where we talk with people behind the top nonprofit galas and signature fundraising events to showcase how they positively transform their communities. I am your host, Rob Giardinelli, and today I am so excited to continue my conversation with the one and only Lance Avery Morgan of Curated Texan. And as a reminder, Lance has an insight of the Texas nonprofit scene in a way that nobody else does. He has been chronicling top galas for two decades now, celebrating his 20th anniversary as a luxury luxury media superstar. So Lance, welcome back, and I am so glad to have you here. Hey, Rob, thanks. It's great to be back with you. Absolutely. So, you know, you know, in honor of your 20 years, let's talk a little bit about the Texas social scene over the last 20 years. And what is what is something that has just been a constant in the Texas social scene for the last two decades? I think that the Texas social scene has really, really grown and prospered to heights that I don't think anyone could have predicted. You know, not too long ago, raising a million dollars on one night at a fundraising gala was big news. Now you have entities that are raising 11 or more million in one night. So the growth of the state, the trajectory of the fundraising, and the largesse of the people seems to be at a record high. It's, it's really pretty exciting to be a part of. So really the constant is, is that people keep giving and people, people keep, keep giving. giving in record numbers year after year after year. That's right. You know, it's, it's tough to beat the largesse of, of Texans and Texans. It really is. Absolutely. So with so many, I mean, and there were so many, I mean, I think what was so interesting about this spring was just everything finally seemed to be back. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about um, some of your, you know, some some things that you noticed, um, you know, in terms of, um, you know, in terms of theming and, you know, fashion and things like that, you know, and some favorite moments at specific galas from the first half of 2023. So many galas, so little time. It <laughs> truly was a, you know, I call this the bounce back spring. Uh, really, everyone got their groove on after the pandemic. It's like the pandemic never happened, even though people gave big during the pandemic. Uh, so people were ra- really rather, they were excited to gather again. And so you could feel that energy. It was almost palpable in every ballroom from Dallas to Houston to San Antonio to Austin and, and beyond. Absolutely. So, you know, talk about a little bit about, you know, what what were some moments at Gala's that you that you attended this spring that really wowed you and really dazzled you? Well, they all did, or I wouldn't have been there, quite frankly. I just I really believe in these causes or I'm not gonna attend. I'm not gonna spend time traveling there. I'm not gonna spend time at the gala unless I really believe in it. So I, I think I have many, many favorites, but some of my favorites are the ones that are actually statewide. So the uh, Texas Medal of Arts Awards the Bullock State History Museum event. I mean, those are really, really great. The Blanton Museum of, of Art Gala. These are all really phenomenal events, and many of them are biennial. So, for instance, the Bullock State History Museum Gala that honors legendary Texans this year is Admiral McRaven, as well as Roger Staubach. Uh, the Texas Medal of Arts Awards honored lots of great people, notice, notable Texans who are doing big things in the world, both culturally uh, artistically and musically. So it's just been great to support them and, and media sponsor them and, and to actually attend them. 
Absolutely. And, you know, those events, I, I'm glad we're kind of starting with statewide events, because one of the good things about that is, is that statewide events, and we talked about this with the McConaughey Gale in the previous episode, is it brings people from multiple markets, and it just brings a heightened energy to a space just because you're going to run into some familiar faces and you're always going to run into some unexpected faces. And it's one of those where, you know, especially if you've gone before, you're going to know people and not know people. And that to me is always the ingredient of really having a good time at, a, at an event. I, I agree. I love running into people that I know from across the, the state at different galas. And a lot of people ask me, so when did you move back to Austin or uh, or when I'm in Dallas, you know, how are things going living here in Dallas? Well, you know, I live in Austin, but I'm at these different events and they people, you know, think, gosh, if, if he's at my event in another city, he must live here. But in, in the great good fortune that I have to chronicle them and to help celebrate and elevate these events, I get to see people from across the state. And I got to tell you, every every state's uh, excuse me, every city's resident is very, very different than another city. So. A, da a Dallas gala is very different than a San Antonio gala, which is very different mm -hmm. than a Fort Worth gala, which is very different than a Houston Austin gala. So, yeah, I always like to be kept guessing, and I always am across this state. <laughs> well, one thing, you know, I'm glad we started with the statewide galas, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, because there were some really great moments at, at both of those. Um, you know, one thing about the Texas Medal of Arts Awards that's really interesting and really great is, is that they honor you know, anywhere from 10 to 12 people who have had substantial contributions to the arts, not just in Texas, but far beyond Texas, whether it's nationally or globally or whatever it may be. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot to manage. And, you know, te the Texas Medal of Arts Awards has always been a program. And anyone who has watched an award show knows this. Award shows run long. And I, you know, what was so amazing about the Texas Medal of Arts Awards this year was you had a fashion show done by Leela Rose. You had Taylor Sheridan from Yellowstone. You had readings of poetry. You had performances by Miranda Lambert. Miranda Lambert also did the Marfa tapes with Jack Ingram that she did during the pandemic. And you also had Christopher Cross singing. And it ran on time. And, you know, that is really to be able to pack that much into a program to where every single minute felt purposeful, there was no filler, and you were entertained the whole time. I mean, really hats off to Heidi Marquez-Smith and the um, Texas Medal of Arts team, because they really did a splendid job, and it really is kind of a new gold standard in running an efficient, informative, detailed, entertaining program. Any successful event, and that's a great example of it, is based on really strong preparation before. That's all there is to it. It was really fine-tuned. All of these events are fine-tuned. You know, you have really high-level people who are attending and supporting, and they expect the best, and they get it at these at these galas. Absolutely. And, you know, it. the other event that I want to talk about is, and, you know, um, it, it was one of those wow moments. It was really like, this is how, this is how you're supposed to feel when you enter an event with when we went to the Bullock Museum Gala in early March in honor of the Texas Independence Day dinner that was chaired by Lisa Cooley of Dallas. Again, it was an event in Austin chaired by somebody from another market and all that energy, you know, from Dallas and other cities throughout Texas created a magical night. Um, I know you were there too. Um, do, do you want to highlight, you know, when 
what did people get to see when they first walked into the space? Well, when you walk in, it's a very grand space. And I've been there for many things from weddings to galas to uh, consulate events. So each event has a different feel. So the good thing is that you have a vast space. And that's a good thing is that you have a vast space that you have to fill and make and personalize it to the event. So when you walked into the Bullock State History Museum Gala, the two honorees were Roger Staubach and Admiral McRaven. And they were represented with live statues, really live art on these um, on these platforms. And so that was created from a local resource, Live Entertainment out of Austin. And it was the, the imagery of Roger Staubach and Admiral McRaven spray painted in gold, including their face, their arms, their uniform, all of them from head to toe. And they were really, really, really still until they moved. And so most people, <laughs> including myself, I didn't realize they were statues. I thought, oh, that's a really cool installation. And gosh, you know, they must have had a real budget to create statuary, um, you know, components that represent the honorees. But no, it was actually these two young gentlemen in good shape wearing, you know, Roger Staubach's football uniform and Admiral McRaven's combat uniform. So it was really, really impactful. It was. And, you know, what's fun about the Bullock Museum is, is that they really know how to maximize use of the space. So, you know, the gala is on the first floor and the main programs on the first floor. And, you know, the the gala is on the mezzanine or the cocktail parties on the mezzanine level on the second mm -hmm. floor. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that, you know, every once in a while I would look down into the, you know, into the rotunda because you could see people coming in and more than one person, like you could kind of see their head as they were walking by it. They were kind of their eyes were still kind of gazed on it as they turned their necks and looked backward because they were trying to figure out if it was an installation or if it was real. And it was really mm. kind of fun and cool to watch. And it really brought, you know, you knew from the second you walked in, this was going to be a fun night. And that really, to me, it was probably one of the best entrances I've gone to at a gala in many years because it really just made a statement the second you walked in. I agree. And I think that every gala wants to make a statement like that. In fact, every gala you go to, there is something different or substantial about them. And I think that keeps the attendee guessing. So for instance, the Make-A-Wish Gala that happened, it was for Make-A-Wish of Central and South Texas. They had two galas within a year's time. So that was innovative that they were able to create that and create that really elevated level of fundraising. And then you have, for instance, around Derby Day in May that kind of capped off a lot of the social season for the spring. You had three major Derby themes, uh, uh, galas or, or events across the state. You had Bo's Place in Houston, which was at the Houston Polo Club, which was great because you had polo in the background. You had, um, you know, you had the, the monitors for watching the Derby. And then you had what I call the spectator sport of watching people. You had the Elizabeth Ann Seton Board Gala, Derby Gala in Austin. And then you had the Center for Child Protection Gala, Derby themed, uh, at a private estate. So there's something for everyone in Texas, and that's what I love. I think that people love to be dazzled, and people love to create that dazzling facet if they're in the, the gala planning world. You know, those were all really interesting events that you brought up. Um, one thing that I do want to bring up is, you know, especially starting with Make-A-Wish was, and um, 
it, it kind of ties into, um, and I know you and I were talking off camera about or off air about this, but just how happy the fashion was this year. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that was because 2023 was kind of the year back because 2022 was very much a roller coaster ride for a lot of, you know, nonprofit organizations and galas because 2020 and 2021 were largely locked down. And 2022 was yeah. kind of the year where everyone was kind of getting their sea legs back. You mm -hmm. had Omicron at the beginning of 2022 and a lot yeah. of galas either got postponed or moved or canceled. Yeah. And it really kind of created this roller coaster ride effect. And with Make-A-Wish, they wound up having to cancel their gala in the winter and they wound up doing one like in August mm -hmm. of 2022. And yeah. then they repeated doing one again in 2023 to get back on the kind of the cadence and the schedule yes. that they want to be on. It was like, okay, people, when I went to that, it was like, okay, I think people are kind of back to where they want to be. The people who changed, changed, whether it's a time of the year. And there were some organizations that did move from the spring to the fall, their yep. signature fundraising gala and vice versa. Um, so it was really interesting to see that kind of play out and for you know, 2023 to really kind of be the happy year. And, you know, nothing screams fun, happy fashion like a derby party. So tell us a little bit about, you know, derby party themes and why you like that so much as a theme. I love derby party themes because usually the weather's pretty good in May. Sometimes it can be on the warm side, but it's usually, you know, nice spring weather. I think that women like to get dressed up in bright colors and bright prints and put on their hats or fascinators. I think that men like to don a seersucker sport coat or a very snazzy spring suit. You know, there's the cocktails that create for lively conversation. You've got mint juleps, which is a signature cocktail of the Kentucky Derby. And you have people who are generally there for the cause. And oh, by the way, it happens to be a really fun theme, the Kentucky Derby. Absolutely. So, you know, what what are some things you recommend if someone's putting on a party with a theme and we'll we'll stick with the derby party as an example? What are some things that are really critical to have to have like a successful, let's say, derby party event? Gosh, there are so many elements that go into that. And I'm not a professional fundraiser or event planner, but I've, I've been to enough of them where I can see what is done well and what isn't done well. I think a lot of times when you have like a signature cocktail, like the Kentucky Derby party centers around the mint julep, you want to have lots of bars. And if you don't have lots of bars, you need to have, uh, or I recommend you have bars with many bartenders at them because no one wants to stay in line, especially if it's in the heat or it's untinted or, or whatever. So keeping the cocktails flowing, I think is really important. And then keeping the action going, you want everyone's attention to, turn to the screens for that minute and a half of the all crucial, all important derby run. So there's lots of things like that, that taking the event theme in mind is really, really crucial for any any organization, any sort of event producer who, who creates it. Absolutely. And I think one of the reasons that, you know, a derby party works so well from an attendance perspective is one, they tend to be brief. Like most of the derby parties, we, you know, we were at, I mean, they were two to three hours max. Mm -hmm. They're early in the evening. So if you have something else, mm -hmm. um, we've gone to derby parties before and then gone home dressed dressed in black tie and gone to something in black tie because it's early enough that you, that you can do that. Um, what I really appreciate yeah. also is, is that there's an interactive element to it. So, and the Bose, you know, Hearts, Hats, and Horseshoes for Bose Place, it was at the Houston Polo Club, like you said, and it was one of those events, and they were on as a guest before, where it grew from an estate 
to the polo club, but you can go and you can look and you can see, you know, on the monitor, the, the derby going on, but off to the side, you had the polo grounds and you had, you know, basically polo exhibitions going on with polo players on horseback that were, you know, that were kind of simulating a polo match game. So it was really an interesting way to kind of make things fun and interactive and kind of tie it in and really allow kind of the theme and the event to shine. That's really true. And I think that's a really good point that you make. You want to, you want to make an event shine. You want it to be memorable. I always am curious as to what attendees talk about on the car ride home after an event, <laughs> what they liked, what they didn't like, who they talked to, who they didn't see. Uh, so it's really always fascinating. You want people to always leave with a positive point of view from an event and also willing to want to be a part of it the following year. Absolutely. And, you know, while we're on the subject of kind of fun and happy and themed events, another event that I want to talk to to you about is the Mad Hatter's Gala that was in Dallas in April. And it's a luncheon, so I shouldn't even call it a gala, but it's a luncheon. And um, it basically they do theming in a way that it's probably the most innovative way that I think any event I've ever been to themes. Um, so they basically have a series and they were, you know, a guest in a previous, you know, previous episode, but they have mm -hmm. a bunch of hat categories and people will go all out and they'll wear these hats that they get to, you know, get to be, you know, you know, judged on to win, you know, to win various prizes and really kind of get bragging rights, you know, for the, you know, for the next year. And I know you've gone to it, you know, quite a few times. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, what makes that event special to you and why you enjoy it so much and a little bit more about kind of the theming and the contest and all that. Well, first of all, there is someone in the audience who's working on their hat for next year already. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> you know, you, if you're attending this event, you come to play. What's wonderful is that it's a great cause. So you have Dallas, the Dallas Arboretum, which is a wonderful green space right in the middle of Dallas, Texas. And so you have this incredible, you know, this this incredible backdrop for what is an event that starts at 10 o'clock in the morning, goes until three o'clock in the afternoon, it seems like. And then there are after party gatherings after that. So it's really fun that so many people want to support this great cause, want to go all out. I mean, you've got these head to toe outfits that, you know, match the hats as well as the hats being from head to toe sometimes. So I think people really, really get into that. And again, it's a great cause. So, hundreds and hundreds of people show up, a lot of men too, wearing hats and, and snappy spring suits. And, you know, it's, there's just a really, really good mojo that goes behind it. And it is really, a, that's a great example of an event that's evolved over time that I've seen, that I've attended over the past few decades. And I think it's at really its highest heights now. And I think that goes to the leadership of both the Dallas Arboretum as well as its you know, the booster group of supporters who create the event every year. Absolutely. And what was so great about this year, so with the hat judging contest, it's so basically the theme this year was it was British in honor of um, King Charles III's upcoming, you know, then upcoming coronation. So it was like uh -huh. held like a week or two before it. Uh -huh. And, you know, it's when, when people think of things with a contest, people typically think of, OK, there's like an area I go to get judged. And that's not how it works at that event. They yeah. basically the judges will walk around and if they see something that particularly interests them, they'll pull you aside and they will say, you know, um, 
they'll go and they'll say, you know, would you like to be judged in X, Y, Z category? Mm -hmm. um, and you're, you're allowed to decline. Um, I was actually asked, you know, and you were too, both of us came up, people came up to us at different times asking if we wanted to be judged. And we both, you know, we both politely declined because we were, you know, we were there on duty and we wanted to make sure that we were, you know, mingling with the guest. But it was really extremely flattering to, you know, have someone walk up and think, Okay, you know, you you've got it going on at this and, you know, in a highly 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 competitive space and the event to me was a it encapsulated what I said earlier about just the brightness and people wearing all these colors mm -hmm. and I know you and I were talking about this when we were um, you know, after the event when we had gone that there was this one there was this one person who came and she was in this simple black dress and you know, I couldn't at the time figure out how that fit in with the overall theme. And then when they announced the winners, this person actually won because this person was she was wearing a um, the revenge dress, the, the black revenge dress and basically copied, you know, and, and emulated Princess Diana's outfit right after the divorce from King Charles. So it was kind of a really cheeky, fun way to kind of, you know, kind of, you know, remind people of um, King Charles history, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term. That's right. And excuse me, you have an intersection of pop culture because there was a, a recent episode on The Crown that dealt with Princess Diana and that revenge dress in her outfit. So to carry that through to in real life, IRL as the kids call it these days, with a gala, I think it was really smart. And she won a category that you know really spoke toward the theme which is was the coronation so i think it all was a neat tie-in for each other and it also what i most appreciated about it is you don't have to be you don't have to go over the top to win that's what no, i love sure about does help, that. rob if you go over the top it sure does <laughs> it sure does go a long but way. it was just it was it was smart just because you know it's you know and especially if you've never gone to a gala before and it's like you know to me it was the ultimate example of be yourself because yep. someone will notice you in a good way if you are yourself and this person you know and this woman went in in something that worked for her she felt yep. comfortable in she pulled it off with polish and it's the reason that she won her category that's true. That's exactly right. What happened? Absolutely. So we're going to go kind of from day in the luncheon to okay. what has been going on with a lot of organizations and a lot of galas and a lot of them have been doing musical performances. And there were quite a few musical highlights this spring, you know, um, the first being, um, you know, Garth Brooks at Mac Jack and McConaughey which um you know and, and anyone who has ever been to um the acl live moody theater which is different than the big moody theater this is the one inside the w hotel mm -hmm. you have this small floor of about 450 that can you know be seated at the gala but then they open up and you can buy tickets you know like 100 or 150 dollar price point to listen to the musical performance so like last year it was kenny chesney this year it um this year it was garth brooks so people get to see and that's you know if anyone is looking to listen to a musician in kind of a fun and unique way i recommend going to a gala especially because a lot of ticket prices for concerts with 25 30,000 people at them are outrageous you could actually probably buy a ticket to a gala get fed have cocktails all night take your uber home it, and it would cost way less money than having to go to a hotel room and all that stuff, it gives you a much more exclusive and refined experience 
with a lot of top level musicians. And oh, by the way, you're helping support a great cause. Exactly. More than just yourself. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's an excellent point. And you know, you know, what to make of that. And, and speaking of Kenny Chesney, he performed at a gala for the Texas Rangers Foundation. Yep. Um, we also had um, someone that I know that, that you really like seeing perform. Um, tell us a little bit about um, the event and Holocaust Museum of Houston event. Yeah, that was where Vanessa Williams performed, which was fantastic, because Vanessa Williams can fill a stadium of 10 to 20,000 people. And it's so great that she, when she performed, she was on stage with her small band in a small backup singing group, and it really transformed the event. I don't think people realize what a dynamic performer she is in person like that. And so it was fun, because even toward the end, after she sang all of her hits, of which there were many, you know, people got up and started dancing by the stage and she welcomed that. She really connected. I was one of the first people up there by the stage. She really connected <laughs> with the audience members who were there to do a good deed, to support a great organization. And oh, by the way, also be entertained. And there's nothing wrong with being entertained at a gala. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I recommend it to everyone, you know, instead of uh, some galas who every gala has a great heart. But if you're doing a live auction that takes up the entire gala, that's a tough dynamic when you could offer so much more. Well, a gala is, you know, it's a lot like life in a lot of ways. You're there, you've got to go through tough moments sometimes, and you're there because a cause is very important to you. And yes, you may mm -hmm. shed a tear or two, but you've got to balance that with the light because, you know, a gala also in part is highlighting how things can move forward or how things can be remembered or, um, and yeah. it just, it allows people to put things in perspective. So mm -hmm. it's always important when anyone's going to a gala that you balance the heavy moments with some light ones, because the ultimate goal is you want them to come back next year. And if it's all heavy or all light, right. They're either going to think this is too, this is, you know, I felt bad. I felt just dark for two days, or this is just really fluffy and frivolous. And you've got to mm -hmm. be able to kind of balance, you know, be able to balance the two. Yeah. I don't think there's anything fluffy or frivolous with a gala or an organization who wants to better the world with their fundraising arm, which is a gala. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, I, I find that people who have not attended gala, attended galas in the past are also the same kind of demographic who says, well, I'd never go to an opera. Well, I mean, how do you know if you've never attended an opera? So you got to try it. And, you know, again, if the cause speaks to you, it, it, it matters. There's an energy in the room that is, it's sort of unspoken, but it's very, very palpable. Absolutely. And, you know, when, you know, when I say fluff, I basically mean that you've got to have stuff about the cause and, mm -hmm. you know, it's a mix of tears and laughter much like life is, you know, and that's kind of why I say a gala can be a metaphor for life in those ways. You, Yes, it's okay to shed some tears, but it's also okay to laugh. And, it, you know, having a good balance of those two is really important. You know, someone who balances that really well is the Zachary Scott Theater Organization in Austin. Whenever anyone buys a big ticket live auction item, they have, you know, confetti, champagne bottles that open up and music plays and dancers come and dance around the table of the person who actually bought the item that adds a fun element i gotta it tell does. you that is really fun and, and of course that's a performing arts organization so it makes sense that they would do that and to me it's just further branding it's a great example of branding that organization even more absolutely absolutely and you know while we're on the subject of performances so um one event and this was at the very end of the social season 
um, was um, was was DIFA, and DIFA is a pretty um, is a pretty grand large scale event. Go ahead, say it. It's off the chain. <laughs> it's off the chain. DIFA, um, which it, is Design it, Industry for Fighting AIDS, has yes. been around for you know three decades, and I've been to most of the events over the last two and a half decades, and I am never ever surprised by how even more dazzling it gets every time I attend. Never surprised because that is part of the fun. That is part of the fun and fundraising to borrow the slogan of what your podcast is called. Uh, that's just part of why people attend. Absolutely. And what's so amazing about that event is the fashion. And if there, I mean, it, it exceeds, I won't even say it rivals, it exceeds a lot of fashion shows that you would see at like a New York Fashion Week or a Paris Fashion Week or a Milan Fashion Week. It is that well done. So anyone who's looking for a good cause and wants to see some good fashion, that is an event that you must go to. I don't care where you live, find a way to get a ticket and go. You will not be disappointed because it is, what, a 50-yard long runway and... I mean, you can talk to it, you know, please, please share some more about it. Yeah, it's half the length of a football field. So unless you have ever walked down a, a run walk, a catwalk that long in public, I can tell you it is a long, long way to walk. It's sort of a sensory overload. I was so fortunate to have been named a style setter in the 20 teens and thrilled to have helped the organization as much as I have over the prior decades and to be honored as a style setter and to walk down that runway for such a long, long, long <laughs> time. It's really hard to put it into words how special it is because you have, you know, you have you have thousands and thousands of people in the same venue hooting and hollering and cheering. And you know, the fun never stops. Then there's the after party, but the fashion is it's what 90 minutes of fashion. So it's nonstop. So it's 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 really, really a fun endeavor. And I agree, anyone who wants to support a great cause and attend an off-the-chain event, DIFA is a great, great choice for that. Absolutely. And you know, it's and for anyone who is familiar with Dallas, it's at the Hilton Anatole usually. And I'll never forget, and I've gone to it several times. And this time I just noticed something I never noticed before. But when I was walking out of one of the doors, it had the room capacity, and the room capacity is over 10,000 people. So people are like, how do you, there is no way that you can do a 50 yard. Well, yes, there is. You have to see this room to kind of believe it. But yes, it holds that many people. And there are hockey and basketball arenas that are roughly that size or maybe a little or a little larger than that. So yeah. it really is something and a feat to behold. Yeah, it's a very special event. And it's near and dear to a lot of people in Dallas and the North Texas area because it benefits AIDS and AIDS tied organizations in the North Texas area exclusively. So the money stays in this state. Absolutely. So, you know, we're, we're running a little short on time here, but you know, Aww. before I know, but before we go, um, I want you to talk a little bit about why you think so many galas are still doing record fundraising numbers, even though the stock market is a little bit off of its peak highs, because the numbers in 2021, I was like, some of these, this won't happen again. And, you know, for some organizations, yes, it may have been a bloober, but they, you know, it may be a little lower, but it's still way above like what it was in 2019. Why do you think there is still so much record-breaking fundraising happening at so many organizations? 
I think that all goes back to the what the ethos of Texas and Texans is really about. You know, I've, I've talked ad nauseum over the years about the largesse of Texans. That's really reflected in the organizations that that is benefited by these people who give back. I think there was pinup demand during the pandemic. People couldn't they couldn't travel. So they gave and there were a lot of virtual galas, as you well recall. And hopefully that's all in the past. Hopefully, you know, everything will remain live and in person and and more optimistic. But I, I really I really credit the organizations as well as continuing to attract these patrons and att- attract these attendees and giving the um, the guests something different to look forward to as they go, as they Absolutely. attend it. Absolutely. And I think that that's a great way to, you know, great, great, great note and a great way to end on is there is a lot of generosity out there. And by making your event signature fundraising events stand out, you can really help transform your organization, which therefore helps transform your community in a really positive way. That's so, exactly right. Lance, well, thank you. Oh, I'm go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. Go go ahead. ahead. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me as a guest. Your fun and fundraising podcast is a big hit. You've had so many great guests so far, and I'm excited to see how it it continues to move forward. And thank you again for having me on these couple of episodes. Absolutely. And tell pe- tell us how people can find you. Absolutely. CuratedTexan.com, SocietyTexas.com, and the new TexasLuxuryConsultants.com, where I am helping brands from beyond Texas get to know Texans and what our state is about so that they can have a, a bigger and more dynamic presence here. Well, there is nobody who is more equipped to do to know to know and understand the Texas luxury market than Lance Avery Morgan. So again, Lance, thank you so much for having us. And you know, we're excited to have you on as a guest again if you would like to be. Thank you so much. It would be an honor. Keep up the great work, Rob. Thank you so much. And that will do it with this special two-part episode of Fun and Fundraising. I'm your host, Rob Giardinelli, reminding you to keep it fun, keep it interesting, and your guests will have a great time. Have a great day, everyone, and take care.